0: Hello, this is Sunny. Welcome to the new episode of the Sunny Point Podcast. So, the last three days I've been shopping, spending a lot of time going to the stores, um, to King of Prussia, in different various uh, outlets in Philadelphia, malls, and online. And uh, I've had different experiences, and this episode actually is going to talk about my experiences, but also what I think I would suggest to all the retail players out there. So, Just to give a little background, as you might know, I also invest in stocks and I study and read about business trends and I've invested at different points in time and different players involved in the industry, starting from those who actually produce brands, market brands to uh, stores, department stores. and various players in the supply chain of marketing distributing and such so this episode i'm going to talk about the key takeaways from the shopping season and what i would really like to suggest are the pain points that still exist in the system as a consumer and what retail stores could do to address that and really stand out in today's age so here we go So just before we get into the things that I think should have been done this season, let's take a step back and because it was Thanksgiving, let's say, let's be thankful for some trends that I've um, appreciated this season. So there are three little trends that I've appreciated. Um, So first of all, the very thing of how the sales were conducted in terms of spread. So I think time-wise, the sales were pretty well spread from Wednesday evening to Sunday evening. I saw some specials going as soon as wednesday evening again although i agree it spoils like the thanksgiving day really because you're looking at the deals you're going on shopping or something but they were somewhere available as soon as wednesday evening to some even going on right now as i'm recording this which is sunday evening so time wise very well spread out no more like those days of doorbusters just limited quantity left you know you have to rush or you have to be um sacrificing your sleep or something like that. Sure, some deals were still time-sensitive, but still, I really liked the spread in terms of time. Also, the spread in terms of the categories that were on sale. And also, at the same time, uh, very well spread in terms of online and offline. So you didn't really have to go to the store unless you wanted to because the spread in terms of the deals that were there online and offline was pretty equal. So those were things I liked in terms of um, how the sales were conducted. Second thing I really liked was um, some big brands announced Um, the specials that were going to be there, discounts that were going to be there in advance with the announcement of the time when you can order it. So, for example, Google announced that for its set of hardware products you could, these would be the prices, this is the time you can start ordering. And if you're actually buying something big, um, something like a laptop or smart product, it helps to compare and contrast things and do research beforehand and not be pressurized into last minute of shopping when the deals are on. So, it's good to know some of the specials beforehand and again not everyone did it but some brands did it and that's what I liked. The third thing. Now this is my favorite a new trend that I really liked which has become a common now um and this season it was pretty evidently common between everyone was free ship to the store next to you uh without any minimum. So this trend has evolved pretty quick and I love how it has evolved to now becoming so common. That almost every, like, wherever I shopped, I every time had the option to do free ship to store, and I always did it, even if I crossed the minimum. So, why? Because as a consumer, first of all, I don't think I really need everything to be shipped to my place. Um, so, things like convenience, so after Thanksgiving weekend, there's so many boxes coming to the to the apartment building. Some can get lost, some can get misplaced. And even if it, nothing like that happens... Um, Something, for example, you tried it on and it doesn't fit you or it wasn't what was said. Now you've got to keep it aside. Make sure to take it to the store at an appropriate time that you can return it. Versus, taking another example, what I did a lot was free ship to the store. So, for example, I did um auto order where I shipped a shoe to the store near me. So I could just stop by, try it out. If it doesn't fit or it's not what it was uh, supposed to be, I can return it there and then one trip saved. So I think um, from my perspective as a consumer, free ship to the store is much better than free ship to home. Um, unless of course, there is something um, that you have to carry in terms of um, something that is heavy. Uh, so for example, a mattress, I would of course always ship to home. But if something's like shoe or um, some clothes or something, I would rather ship to the store and just walk by. And from the perspective of the of the department stores, I think it's such a big positive. It's such a big positive. These department stores have had, um, and even brand stores, have had physical presence over the country spread out, well spread out, for so long. And all of a sudden, um, e-commerce players like Amazon come and trounce them. So one thing that Amazon doesn't have is like a Amazon store next to me, in, in a mile from me. Now they have Whole Foods, but again... Not really an Amazon store. They have warehouses, but again, not really Amazon stores. So these stores should, t- should have taken advantage of this like way back. Now the systems are in place to take advantage of the real online order and free ship to the store. And I love it as a consumer. I think that makes total perfect sense as a, as a consumer as well as the store operator. So I'm really glad to see that. These three trends, and especially the trend for free ship to the store without any minimums. So while that being said, there are many things and pain points that are still to be um, solved. So let's talk about that in the segment to follow. So welcome to the meat of the episode. Now in this section, we will talk about the things that I think the store should have done and could have done and should do right now. Um, We will divide uh, the things that we have to say in three sections. Uh, which has a broad heading in terms of what suggestions we have. And then we'll go into each one of them um, one by one. So the first section that I'm going to go into is store management, which is about... Okay, let's talk about it later. So first section is uh, store management. Uh, Second section is the in-store services. And the third section is true omnichannel. So these are the three areas in which they can really do better now let's get into the first one. First of all, store management. So when you go into a mall, right, there are hundreds of stores. Um, especially I went to the King of Persia Mall, which is a giant, giant mall. I went with a couple of friends and we got lost and lost and lost. Then I found someone and they found someone and then we found someone and then we got lost, 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 lost. So it was like almost impossible to find. So the point I'm trying to make here is um, the mall system The mall design or any big um, shopping center design is confusing enough. You should not make Mr. Store Operator your own store even further confusing, right? Make it as simple as possible. So when we talk about store management, the first point I want to make is about the store layout. So make the store layout really simple. Make the orientation possible. Do not provide help to the lack of orientation and disarray that already exists. So for example, let's say Macy's. So now Macy's had about, I don't know, maybe about 12 to 10 to 12 entries in different like floors and different areas and different sections. Now, every time you go to the near to the elevator or near to the escalator, you do see um, where they say like floor one is this, floor two is this, floor three is this, right? Number of items, number of things. Uh, and different areas that exist, but they do not say that at every entry. So coming from a random entry in the mall, it's sometimes impossible to say where you entered, where would it take you, and what you would have to do to reach the thing that you came into the store for. So that totally disarrays. Uh, Sometimes just people walk by and walk after, like, oh, we'll see if we get into the right entry. And usually at every entry, there is a security person, but they're not able to help you because, again, they're a security person, so they're not really store employees in terms of taking care of um, the stock. So I think at every entry, there should be an orientation in terms of where things are headed, where should you go, uh, if what you want. And uh, if not a digital assistant, at least you should have a store person right by the security person Because many people, including me, end up just asking to the security person just to know that there is nothing they have the answer for. So that's very helpful. Second thing in store management is trial and fitting rooms. So it's very surprising to me that many stores have the same number of trial area um, slash fitting rooms no matter how many people visit. So, for example... On a totally off day, let's say it's a day when it's like snowing really hard, there's a snowstorm going on, the store is barely open, there are like a couple people barely in the store or nobody, they still have a couple fitting rooms. And uh, taking an example, so Hollister, now the store was full on this day when they had like almost about, I guess about 100 people, I'm not sure, but the store was full. And... They still had one men's fitting room. Like, how does that make sense? So the number of fitting rooms should be uh, scalable. It's, again, you don't really have to do anything to develop that area, right? So it's a reusable area, so you should have the capability to, like, scale up the number of fitting rooms and probably use some storage, probably use some shelves, areas to, like, separate out and do fitting rooms there. I don't know. Like, plan this store in a way that you can have more ship, uh, fitting rooms when you need and seasonally. You should be able to have one fitting room on a snow day and like a snowstorm day and maybe four fitting rooms at least on a day that you have like 50 men, 60 men in the store. So other than that, what you have is people just um, would go to another store if they figure that at least there's a 20, 30 minutes wait to check out um, how it fits, right? Another thing that I did was just take the photo of the thing that you liked and then just leave in the hopes of getting it online but then again you haven't actually seen the fit the reason entirely why you actually walked in a physical store versus buying it online right so that's defeated so that's uh one thing about store management they could do better third thing is checkout so checkout is a really big problem especially on crowded days um so for example um some okay let's let me contrast this Uh, So recently, I've been going to pharmacies, right, like CVS and Walgreens, they've had now more self-checkout stands, right, to the extent that there is actually nobody at the counter when I want a person to check it out with. Uh, So for some reason, some item is not scanning right, some price is not coming right, I want to go to the person, while only thing I have is self-checkout counters. Now, I want to contrast this. I want to contrast this for, let's say, American Eagle, a real example. I went in. I just liked one item. There's like, um, I think, a head scarf or a hat or something. And then I looked at the line. In this case, what would have really helped me was a self-checkout counter because I just had one item. I could have just self-checked it out and walked away in a in a quick way. But now, they are only... Two real people at the at the checkout counter, and there was about a 20, 30 minutes line. So, of course, I'm not going to stay back 30 minutes to just check out this one little thing if I liked. So what would I do? Like, pretty naturally, give it up and go to the next store. Because, I mean, nobody is selling something that is, like, really, really unique in the market, right? So you can um, get those things from somewhere else. So... This is not only my pain point, not only consumers' pain point, but the stores are actually losing a lot of sales because of this. So I understand they cannot be as frictionless as Amazon Go, like no checkout at all, Um, but I'm not asking them to be as technologically advanced. The solution is pretty easy. Uh, For less than three items or less than six items, they should have a self-checkout, and if not self-checkout, at least way more checkout counters, and I cannot understand how the economics works in terms of why is it not reasonable to have more fitting rooms and have more people to check out if you're losing a lot of business to the consumers who are walking out because nobody actually wants to wait for checking out like 30 minutes. Now, think about this, like shopping, how much time it takes, right? It's a whole mall trip, I don't know, it could take hours and hours. So if it takes you like four hours, a whole mall trip, the least thing you want to do is use that time judiciously. Like you don't really want to buy two little hats from two stores and spend an hour and a half just selecting and waiting in the checkout line. So that's not how it should work, and that would also save them some business. Um, Actually create a lot of self-checkout demand. So that's the first thing. Again, there are a lot of areas in store management, but I think these, I'm just pointing out the things that I think are very really important as a consumer. I've, um, so lack of orientation, confusing the customers, forcing them out, just as they came out of the store, uh, in the store, just pushing them out, uh, or not finding the things they actually wanted. Second, trial or fitting room. So if they actually like something, you're not letting them check it out. Uh, you're not letting them check the fit out, the reason why they were in store. And third of all, check out if they came near, if they found the thing they wanted, if they actually liked it, if they tried it out, and still you want 30 minutes for them to check out that one little thing. So self-checkout counters, very necessary for less than three or six items, and more check counters in general. So that was my first area of store management. Let's talk about the second and the third in the coming segments. Now the second section of my suggestions, um, I'm calling it the in-store service. Now, before we go into the details, let's take a step back. Why do we actually go into the store? In the age where we have equal or more discount available online, much more collection inventory available online, much easier checkout process, much faster and quicker checkout process, actually. Why do we, unless we need it, like right then, the product, right? Unless we need the product right then, right there. Why do we actually go to the product, uh, to the store? So first of all, some things could be to actually check the fit of the product. How does it feel in the hand to look at it? What does the color look like? Or in some cases you want suggestions around it. Like mostly those are the reasons that you think that you don't get while shopping online, right? So for example, if I look at a suit, right, a suit jacket, um, I get what it looks like, I get many more pictures, I get the reviews, I get the pricing, I get every option available right there. What maybe things I actually want to go into the store for? Maybe to actually see how the product feels. Maybe to actually wear it and see how it fits. Or maybe I could ask around if someone in that section Knows about suits which can suggest me like how formal is this and how for a typical event this would be overdressing, underdressing or something like that. Right? Now, I want all the stores like for their own good and for consumers' good to be providing all these things. If they really want to do good, they have to differentiate by being a store which provides You the mechanism of deciding the thing you want to buy and to be feeling comfortable and better about it than ordering it online. Like, even if they have online presence, their margins are much better in the store. So they should be, regardless of the products and margins anyway, they should be making the experience better. Because if they don't, the next one will. Somebody else will, right? So every store should um, really try for that. Now, I'm not saying that many stores don't. Um stores like Macy's do a good job at, for example, in the suit section, you will actually find a person who is well suited and who has been you can tell from talking to them, they have been like in the suit department for like many years. So they do advise that um sometimes. So that's something good. But then again, there are a lot of pieces missing in a lot of stores in a lot of variety of ways. Let's start. <laughs> so first of all Um, even when it's Black Friday, you could be walking around the mall and seeing some brand stores having no traffic at all. It's sad, but it's reality. What I'm trying to underline here is no matter how successful a store you are or a brand you are, always be humble and realize that every foot that walks into your door Every time a consumer, a person, a kid, a mom, a dad, a grandpa getting gifts for their um, family or anyone walks into your door, they have some expectations and they are there with expectations on you to fulfill it and they chose you. Do not take this lightly. I literally walked through some stores which were totally empty, zero foot traffic Um, on Black Friday, it's not good. So what I want in servicing um, Outlook is every foot that walks into your door, I would ideally want everyone in that store, probably, I mean, it's not possible to have hourly workers doing this, but I would love for the culture, for the companies to speak for it. I would want the entire store team to make sure wholeheartedly that the person who's entering does not leave without having what they wanted as far as they have that thing to offer. And by wholeheartedly, I mean, not just because they're paid for it or marked against that or, um, you know, graded or rated against that by their management, but like from the bottom of their heart, they actually want to do it. Now, not the problem is, as I said, a lot of stores doesn't, do not have good uh, work culture, do not have a lot, strong culture in general and a value mechanism. Okay. Now, a part of the problem is that a lot of stores have a lot of early employees. So it's difficult to instill like a long-term value um, culture between them or within them. But I think it's possible. And I think a lot of stores are doing a terrible job at it. A lot of stores... The employees just ask, oh, sorry, answer the questions you ask them, and that's about it. They actually don't care if you buy that product or if you want a product that your need is actually satisfied. Let me give you an example. I went to an Aldo store, again, a random example, but this really happened, but there are like a lot of other examples like this. So I walked into the Aldo store. Um, I picked Ongara 2, that's the name of the model, the shoe that was um, in the new releases, I liked it I uh, tried it and I said, I like the design but this is size 9 maybe a little loose do you have another size to try? I asked them they came back said no, sorry, uh, this is the only thing that is available so I said uh, should I order a size less than this online? They said yeah, sure and then I walked out of the store. See what happened? I'm sure many examples like this have happened to you before. You ask them. They tell you the answer. But they really don't want to close the deal. Now, if it was a wholehearted employee which has a culture of like sticking around and making sure you bought it, not only for my good, not only for the the good of the hearts of the company, but because of their own bottom line, this person would have asked me, uh okay, so you're not sure if it's the size, and that's why you're not buying it. So let me see what's the closest um, model to Ongarda 2. Let me get you... We have an 8.5 in that. Do you want to try that? I may say yes, and I may try it. And if I may like it, I'm like, yeah, this is a better fit. And I'm like, um, even in that case, I would be like, okay, so I know... So in this case, they would have cared to know what my fit is, which would have made me more comfortable. For example, if I tried 8.5... I, if it was too fit, maybe the 9 was the right product for me, right? That didn't happen. Now, let's take it a little bit further. Another case. This one, a little bit hypothetical. But let's say I they gave me another pair to try, and I found out that 8.5 was actually the right size and not 9. So in this case now, I'll like Ongara to the shoe, and I have 8.5 the size, but they don't have 8.5 in-store inventory, and they have 9. You know what the most common answer is? They come back and say, we don't have it in-store. And they stop there. Now, this is the moment nobody actually thinks about. This is the moment the CEO running Aldo or CEO... Running a shoe distribution company or brand company or department store chain never gets to the point of. And this is the point they're actually losing a ton, a ton, ton of sales because nobody cares about this moment. They should ideally be saying, Oh, we have figured this out. We have figured out what you want, Ongara, and a size that fits you. And we have figured both of the things out, we have figured out the shoe, it's in all manufactures that shoe, and we know what's your size. They should make sure to have a tablet around or something and to walk me through and order the shoe right away. And be like, the moment you walk out of the door, in a couple of days, it will be at a store near you. Or at your place. But no. So let's start with that. That's the major point in service. I don't really think the store employees of most of the stores actually care about closing a sale or actually like closing a sale is a bad word because it's from a marketing perspective. But don't even care about like what you want and if your needs are met. But even I would be glad if they came from the perspective of closing a sale because these stores are losing a lot of business. Um a good example could be an Apple example, like an Apple store, like on the good side, where they do have a culture of people wanting to solve your problems to a certain extent. And But I really, really don't see it in the retail stores. They don't even help, but they don't even want to help. Now, a big reason behind that, I'm not blaming any employee in person, again, just to underline, because I may be... Um, getting them into trouble. So I want to underline it's not their problem. If you have 100 people coming in the store and if you have a lack of employees um, who are also hourly workers, they're going to do what's more important. They're going to go with... They're not measured against this anyway. Um, They're measured against if they're doing their job, being there and answering all the questions and being attentive on the floor. So it's not their fault it is the fault of the people who decide and drive the culture and the values of the community and the company and um, i think they should push for any they should put push for the value that any foot that enters into the door or enters your website is a person who's trusted you with their needs of their own lives and they have certain expectations and you should fulfill them because that's exactly the business you're in. If you manufacture that thing, if you already provide the product they would want, just make sure to close the sale. As in, it'll be good for the consumer, it'll be good for you. So that's uh, that's like the majority of it. I've already covered a long time on this, I realize this, but again, other things are, for example, nobody gives you um, specific suggestions. So I said about Macy's, but most stores... You ask in that same department, they would not know what's the difference between different things. So, I mean, I'm thinking of which example to give, but there are like so many examples. You just get lost. For example, if you have some question in terms of shirt, what, what's in, what's out, what means what, and there's nobody ask, answering you, they would be like, oh, we don't know this. We're just here to help out with you, any problems you have. So they're not trained well in terms of... Um, this also speaks about the culture in terms of attrition because if they have a lot of attrition, a lot of seasonal workers, a lot of churning hourly workers, it was a lot of problem with the organizational knowledge. So also they're not actually supported with anything. So here's what I'm saying. It's not their fault. It's the management's fault in terms of leadership fault in terms of providing them enough resources and value culture in place and while uh, benefits for doing that. And also tech. There is no... They're not actually provided with any um, on-hand systems, apps, uh, tablets, or anything which can even try to see if I'm wanting something which is not in the store. They have no way to check like on the hand what is the pricing of the same product available online. I've seen Timberland has the good one where they walk you to the computer and then... They did offer me to order online, but that was like last year. That was not from this season. But that's the only experience I've had where they actually took me to the computer. But So they lack the value culture and system in place. They lack the proper training in place to answer specific questions in that section. And they lack the devices or systems infrastructure to let them answer those questions if they wanted to. So all this rant covering how in-store service needs to be better how um, providing better in-store service just makes sense for good business and also good service. And let's get to the third one in the next segment. Welcome to the last section. So in this third section, we're talking about true omni-channel. That's what the focus is here. So now I know there are a lot of stores, many brands, that say they do true omni channel already. But my point here is saying not exactly as in I haven't seen it yet. So taking a step back, what omnichannel really means in simple words is that no matter what channel you take to reach their product or experience, as in, you may go to their website, you may look for the product on their app, you may ask Alexa to look for that product, you may go to their store, you may walk into their store, you may go to a third-party store with a product in it. No matter what channel you take, you would have a good experience. You would have a seamless experience. For example, um, if you the simplest example is if you order online and pick it up in-store. You order it online and you picked it up offline. Different channels... But they're integrated. They talk to each other. You do one thing, other thing happens. You do something online, something real world pops up. You do something in real world, um, some other place in real world. For your example, home gets a new product. So that is, uh, in simple words, what a good omni channel is looking like. Now, if we divide it into parts, uh, I'm sure if I did like an academic research, I would like way categorize and categorize it in way more detail. But for now, if we look at four different things that I'm looking for in Omnichannel, the first thing is, ship to store, right? If I order it online, is it available offline or not? To my store or not, or to my place or not? Second, ship to home. So regardless if I go to online or to their store, do they ship to home or not? Third, ship from store to home, which is a specific subcategory, which means specifically going to the store and having it shipped from there and not from the warehouse. And fourth. Do the online and offline systems of the same company talk well, and are they true in all their truths? For example, do they have the information about each other inventories, each other's inventory, each other's prices, availability, and um, various categories, uh, characteristics of the products available in both channels or not? So. As I said at the very start of the episode, Ship to Store has seen a really, really good execution. Um, But again, I would not say it's an entire win, because to be really good and to be truly omni-channel, I would really hope that Ship to Store um, works in a couple days, as in you order something online. I hope it does appear in the store, get to the store in two days, because that's what Amazon has really made um, people used to. If people can get the product on Amazon in two days, why will they order you on your website if your ship-to-store is seven days? similar thing happened with me at Macy's. I ordered something from Macy's. They say it's going to ship-to-store for free. That's amazing. But they're saying it will happen in seven to ten business days. Again, Thanksgiving times lines would be a little bit delayed, but still, seven to ten business days... Not entirely satisfactory, not really, truly comparable to the service I get if I do ship to home uh, from Amazon, for example. So something to improve, but I'm still glad there's shipping to store. Shipping to home, I say this part is really good. Amazon and um, now their competitors like Walmart has made a really good progress in shipping to home. No complaints there. Third part where I have complaints is about shipping from store to home. So, I know what you're thinking. Maybe at first thought you would think, why would someone, why would a store you just went to ship to your home when you can go directly home and take it yourself, right? I'll give you reasoning from my side. Now, many times, I'm not actually going home. I'm stopping by a Target. I'm buying things. I'm actually not going home. I'm not on the way home. So I have to take it somewhere else. I have to take it somewhere else and then somewhere else and then take it home. That's one reason why I don't want to take it home. Second reason is there's something in bulk. For example, I'm buying a big mirror, a closet or something in home decor which is heavy to carry um, or me wanting to carry it in the form it is rather than assembling it again. I don't have an option. I don't want to do it, and I can't do it, because if I'm walking to the store, I can't take that heavy thing with me. Um, So that's another example of why I want the uh, store to ship it to my place. Third one, a very common one, I would guess, especially in Black Friday or things like this, when you go shopping to a mall... You may go to 10 stores, buy little things. You don't actually want to hold, like hold 10 bags and go to the 11th store. That's just not a good experience. So many times what I would do is go to a store, I could see 10 things that I like, but I would buy only two which I can carry while shopping for the next three hours, right? In this case, wouldn't it wouldn't only be good for me because I understand your first thought might be why would the store ship it for you? But it's not for you as in it's not for the consumer. It's for the store. It's in the benefit of the store to do this because if the store said, for example, that shop around all that you like, right? Uh, open your app uh, in in your account. Just scan all the barcodes of the items that you're interested into buying. And let's say you scan the 20 items. Just pick the two that you want with you right away and check it out on the counter. Uh, on the counter, but other than that. 18 things will ship to you as far as the order is, let's say, above $49, right? Or $29 or whatever the minimums on the online shipping are to make it truly omnichannel. Um, in that case, I will buy more. If I like a thing, I don't have to worry about carrying it around. I don't have to worry about carrying it home. I don't have to worry about dropping it somewhere else while I come back to shop again. I would think the sales would really go up of the stores that practice this. So that's my solution here retailers please work on shipping from store to home i think there's a market here i personally have recognized this a lot of times because i'm not going home or because the things are heavier or because uh, it's not convenient or because i'm going to shop around the whole day if i'm shopping at your store the first i do not want to carry things around so i will not order them if you do shipping from store to home I would go around scanning more things than I need, probably, which so it's good in in a way that it doesn't exist, but it would be really convenient. Let's talk about the fourth one. The online and the offline systems, they actually don't talk. Like in many companies, in many places, in many chains, they have no idea. So for example, uh, I went to Hollister, right? Um, The products were 40% off the whole store. I was, of course, waiting for my turn for the fitting room, so I was looking at the thing online, if I can order it online. And... The thing was 50% off on the website. So it was cheaper on the website than it was in the store. Now, I may get it that online and offline teams might be different, they may have different pricing strategies, but as a consumer, you actually don't care about like what different teams or strategies are doing, right? You're getting a product cheaper online, free delivery, no checkout time. Why would you not check the fit in the store and just order it online, right? Now, from the store's perspective, it doesn't make any sense to me that why would it be more expensive in the store? They've already shipped the thing. The thing is right there. It's holding on the inventory. Like, it's occupying a shelf space, which could have been holding for something else. The consumer is right there, ready to take the order with them and leave. No need to ship anything more. No need to do even, even take the costs of free shipping on on the company, right? Consumer doing it for you. I can't see a reason why that thing already shipped there and then with consumer in hand holding it should cost more than something that is online. As I said, might be different teams working on different things, different strategies, different pricing mechanisms. But what I'm saying is, I don't think they're talking to each other really well. I don't think they're recognizing which product, which consumer is looking and changing their prices accordingly so that the product has the best deal. Um in the store so they don't talk but this is actually a harmless way in which i explain this a more um not so good way is when you go to a store person and they don't actually know what's available online you ask them um okay if this if you don't so the most common thing when you uh, go in deal season is they run out of the size that you are off, right? So if you need a medium shirt, they might be like, oh, this is large available, this is small available, we don't have a medium. Again, as I highlighted before, they don't get enough to ask you whether you want a medium so that they can check online. But even if I did, they would be like, and if they, even if they wanted to, they have no idea. They have no idea if this thing is online of, or not. So the offline resources are not enabled with the entry to their online system they are not walking around again maybe this is repetitive but they're not walking around with tablets to show them the availability they should be able to available um, to truly synchronize it together and that would enable the second point suggestions that we made about letting and empowering the employees to make the decision of combining online and offline so Um, again, those are things that keeps me away from shopping. So, for example, I don't see a medium. What does the person do? They go to the next store. If it's something that's a commodity, I mean, not a lot of stores are selling something that is, like, truly rare, right? So they may go to the next store. Rather than that, they might stay there, and if they have the true... um, availability scenario as in they're sure that the consumer can be sure that those things are available online and they can order it then the order is placed and the things will be there in that place in two days they will stop shopping for that thing right so i went looking for a yellow sweater if i don't see a medium i'm going to go to the next place Uh, but if i had an assurance then there if their offline channel talk to their online channel well enough to know what the availability was and when it would be shipped, and if the order is placed and what the price is, I'll place it there and not look for it in the store next door. So, again, all the things I'm saying is not only as a consumer, but all the things are for the stores to improve their sales and to stand out. So, in the last section, I'm basically concluding by saying, although everyone says they're doing uh, omnichannel, Target says they do true omnichannel, you can do anything, anywhere, and get your product any anyhow and anywhere you want. But real story, I went to Target. I went to a section. Uh, there was a home decor item. I think it was heavy. Uh, I asked to the store employee that was next to me and the store associate, and I asked if I can check this out, pay for this, and can you ship it to my home, which is not less than a couple of miles away, um, can you ship it um, even if it like takes time? Uh, it doesn't have to be two days, but they said, I have no idea what I'm talking about. And this is not only Target, this is various stores. They have not any idea of how to do it. So it's not true omnichannel, channel, which is also impeding many possibilities. So concluding, I would say all these three sections that we talked about, the first section was the store management, the lack of orientation, confusing the customers, not providing them enough fitting rooms, not letting them an easy checkout experience. The second one uh, was not enough in-store service, so not staying... Um, letting them, uh, advising for the product suggestions, not even trying to complete and close the deal or help the consumer. And the third one was not having true omni-channel. All these three things are my ways and my suggestions of what retail stores, everyone in the retail category, from um, brand managers to uh, producers to marketers to department stores to malls to chains, should be doing if they really want to stand out. Because this is where the industry is going. All these three things, I'm pretty sure would be very common sooner or later. The one who do, does this first would have a better chance to stay out and would close out on many opportunities of lost revenue. So those were my um, suggestions. I hope you liked it. Um, if you're someone in retail, I hope you follow it. I hope you start a, a culture that builds upon enabling these three things. And. If you found this episode helpful, definitely share it with your friends and everyone you know, uh, so basically to your social networks. And if you have any questions, comments uh, from your own shopping experience, how was your shopping experience? What are your pain points? What else do you think companies going to do? Let me know. Um, you can also contact me on uh, my website. You can look at everything there is on my website at www.sunnygokalani.com. And contact me on any social media channels. Um, just put in Sunny Go Planning, and you'll be able to find it. I hope you found this helpful. I hope you're having a good Thanksgiving and weekend and you did a good shopping, which really made you happy. Or that if you did not, that the fact that you did not also made you happy. <laughs> Either way, I wish you're happy and you stay happy and you contact me if I can be of any help. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sunny. See you soon.